So Lord, we pray that this morning that we would stay in tune with you, what you want to do, what you want to say to us. Lord, we pray against the tendency to be after just information. We want to receive all that you have for us, and, and that may be beyond information. And uh, that may be just sitting and receiving and experiencing the stillness of who you are. We've all come from different seasons of life, and we're here this morning. And because you are an uncreated, gigantic God, you can meet us all with where we're at and have a word for us. So we pray that we'd be attentive to what you want to say, that we would connect to you, to your presence. We know you're here, so make us aware of you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're continuing in Hebrews today. And uh, going through chapter 9, 11, verse 28. Now, a couple weeks ago, we went through the first uh, 10 verses of chapter 9, and we talked about systems. And, and, and the big takeaway from that was that we have the uh, Hebrew people that are wanting to go back to the old system, the old covenant, and the author saying Jesus is the new covenant and the new system. And these people are trying to live in that new system, and it's very challenging because it's being tested by the circumstances they're in. And it is so easy to want to bring in what you used to know into a new system that really doesn't need what you used to know. <laughs> okay, because the new system replaces the old system. That's why it's called a what? New system, right? It's a new covenant. And so uh, the author makes this very clear. He's very repetitive, and we're going to hear a little bit more of that today. My wife and I just celebrated the, the birth of our second child in December. And for those of you that have multiple kids, everyone's different. So how you did certain things with the first one is not necessarily how you're going to do things with the second one. Am I wrong? Right? And it's frustrating because you spend all this time with the first one and you've got a system down. You've got a method and it works, and it took a lot of time to get there. Yeah, a lot of energy. <laughs> and, and the second one comes along, and guess what? Your system doesn't work. you got to build a whole new one. And so I, f- I found that out ruthlessly this weekend. Uh, my wife, Shanna, was, is a photographer, and so she was doing a wedding yesterday. So I had both the kiddos. And... I put Emmett down for a nap. And one of the things I could do with Gracie I couldn't do with him is that when she would like kind of cry and ready to get up, I would just run in and I'd be like, hey, and she'd be so excited. So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what I used to do and do this with him. So he's, he's like, nah, nah, and I go to get him from nap and I just kind of slowly sneak up on him. I haven't done anything. And he opens his eyes and sees me hovering. And I wish I had a picture of his face and how badly he screamed and freaked out. His eyes just went, <gasps> and he was just terrified. And so now for a half an hour, I'm trying to console the kid. And he's a big kid. He's like in the 90th percentile. So I'm holding this adult baby, <laughs> trying to get him to, to simmer down. Because I tried my old tricks and didn't realize that I had to develop new techniques with my son. Well... I went out uh, with some friends last evening, and so I had my parents come over, who had just moved from San Diego um, to live out here permanently, um, called by God. 
And so uh, they came over, and I was telling my mom about how I scared him. Now, she's holding Emmett, and you think I would have learned. I'm a very loud person, okay? And so I tell my stories as if it really happened. So I don't, I don't lower my voice. I don't calm down. So when I got to, I'm telling the story, and I got to the scare moment, I went, wah, like this. That's what Emmett did. And I went, ha, and then Emmett freaks out again. And he's screaming and crying, and we're stuck there for another 20 minutes holding the adult baby and trying to get him to calm down. Man, you would think I'd be more discerning than that. You'd think I would have learned my lesson. I cannot do the same things with him that I could do with Gracie. Do you see where I'm going with this? (laughs) The Hebrew people are having to learn an entirely new way of doing life, of sharing life, of interacting with God. Now, I've only had two and a half years being indoctrinated and being a parent. So two and a half years of patterns that are being tested by my son. Just two and a half years. But it was enough, right? It's long enough. Now imagine hundreds and hundreds of years doing one thing, having a pattern of living, and now you're told to live a different way, that's going to that's gonna be very challenging because it's ingrained in their DNA. Now, we take that for granted. We read passages like this, and we, we, we go, oh, okay, that's not that big a deal. I'm sure it was kind of hard. No, you don't know how hard it was. Okay, Imagine tomorrow we're told that all electronics are gone, no electricity, none of that stuff, and we have to now live without it. Would that be challenging for us? Right? We're kind of calling that Armageddon. I've heard like, I've read like little articles on that. That would be very challenging. That's comparable to what they're experiencing. One way of life, obeying the law, doing all these animal sacrifices, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and now they're told, There was one sacrifice for all mankind, for all sins. It's all taken care of, and now we have to learn to live in that. Let's not take that for granted. That's a challenging, challenging thing. And that's what they're experiencing, and that's why the author has to say it over and over again. You've heard me say some of these things already, but that's because he's saying them. It's repetitive for a reason. You've got to hear it over and over when you're entrenched in one way of thinking. So here we go. Usually it is up on the screen, but here we go. So this is a long passage, so I'm going to breeze through some of it. I'm going to pick out some some main points. We could be in this for weeks. But starting at verse 1, and just follow along. If you want to close your eyes and just listen, that's good too. Uh, Here we go, verse 11, sorry. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Where are we here? Okay, starting on verse 13. Under the old system... The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. 
Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our, our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Okay, let's stop. That's a lot of stuff. Okay? That's a lot of stuff. What we hear here is that Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. There's no more need for all these blood sacrifices and this and that. He has come once and for all. I mean, we hear that phrase, the new tabernacle, that place, that holy place, the greatest tabernacle. Now, it's easy to think that that's a physical place or like a building or this or that, but what that means in Scripture is the very presence of God. So the most intimate place it can be with God, that is that tabernacle that we're hearing about. That's where Jesus entered into. That's where through Jesus, through his one sacrifice for all things, we have access to. That's huge. We have access to the holy of holies, and we as a people don't fully understand that, even Christians. Conceptually, we can kind of figure out what that means. Okay, we know that's proximity. We know that's great. How many of you have had a close, intimate encounter with the presence of God? Raise your hand. Okay. How was that experience for you? Not rhetorical. Can it be put into words? Is it hard to put in words? It is, isn't it? I mean, we can, we can use all the words we want to describe an encounter with the living God and the presence of God, but it is challenging because it is so overwhelming. It's something that we're meant to experience, but don't experience enough because we take what we used to know and bring it into what we need to know. And that can cloudy the landscape of this new covenant with God. Starting in verse 16. Here we go. Um, and I'm actually going to kind of just skip through this a little bit. Verse 16, um, the author talks about leaving a will. And when you leave a will, the will doesn't take effect until what happens? The person dies, right? And here we're going to see all the way through verse 22 is the, uh, the, the sacrifices that the covenant and the law under Moses that you had to do, it was all about everything was, you got, had to be purified by blood. Everything. They were throwing blood on everything. Now, that's kind of gross to think about, isn't it? I mean, literally a blood bath. Literally. Because the, the covenantal structure required sacrifice for purification of sins. Now, before the new covenant, and the new covenant replaces what? The old covenant, Right? But before that can happen, according to the structure, the covenantal structure, that means there has to be a payment of death. There has to be. That's why they kept sacrificing animals. And we see the language, and we'll see in just a minute, is that it's a copy, it's a created copy of the heavenlies, of what's happening in the heavenlies. And Jesus becomes the sacrifice to pay that debt so that we can be ushered into the new covenant. 
Okay, that's why he had to die, because there was a price that needed to be paid according to the covenantal structure of God and his people. So in verse 23, we hear this. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He um, entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the the high priest here on earth, who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again, and since the, since the, ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And closing with this, the passage closing with this, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Now this is, again, this is an ambitious attempt for us to break down this passage, but it comes down to this. These people have to understand, it has to be drilled in their minds, that the only way is Jesus. We had said several months ago, and I've said ever since, Jesus is enough. He has to be enough. And this passage says again, as the author said time and time again, Jesus is what? Enough. He's absolutely enough. He has done everything that we could not do, that we could not copy. He's done all of that. The price is paid. These people don't have to go back to what they did before. They don't have to, but yet they choose to. So what does this mean for us? We were just singing that song, Be My Center, Be My Source. Did anyone listen to those lyrics? Okay. How many of you uh, listened, really listen to the lyrics of songs? And it's okay if some of you don't. Some, some listen to the melody, and the melody speaks. Who listens to the melody? And it just speaks to you. Nobody? Kind of? Who listens to the whole thing? Who doesn't care? ha. <laughs> But be my center, be my source. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean to a people that are learning that? Because they thought God was their center and there was their source because there was a law that was built around him and they knew where they stood. Right? I've asked this question before and I'm going to ask again because some of you don't like to admit it, but how many of you are control addicts? You like to have control of your environment. Come on, this. No shame. We're all like that, right? You like to have control in your environment. It helps us know where we stand and can anticipate what can't be anticipated. It makes us feel better. But now, with Jesus on the scene, he's got to be the source, which means most of the times we're on a need-to-know basis when it comes to information we want to know. Right? Because... Moving with Jesus means that's a relationship, which means we're not going to always know where we stand according to what we think and what we want that to be. 
But we do know where he stands because he says, anyone comes to me will have life and life more abundantly. You abide in me and I abide in you and you will bear what? Much fruit. And not what we think productivity is, but good kingdom heavenly fruit. We do know where we stand, but for some reason we think we want more or need more. I need to know exactly, specifically what God's call in my life is. I need to know, because if I don't, then who am I? Where's my value? Where's my significance? I've thought that. Anyone else thought that? Anyone with me on that? Right? What's my, if I don't know all the information, how can I really receive who I am in Christ Jesus? Well, that understanding of what a call is, what it means to be in Christ Jesus, is our attempt to copy the heavenly purposes of our lives. It's an attempt based off the creative understanding of what it means to produce, what it means to have value. We've talked about it before. The only thing God wants from you is to you allow him to love you. People ask me, I've had this conversation, what is it? How do we love God? If, if it's not just doing all this stuff, how do we love God? That's a, that's a great question. Has anybody wondered that? I mean, obedience is one way we can love God, but the greatest way to love God. Now we hear, what are the greatest commandments? Bruce, you said this months ago, and I, man, every time I'm like, he said, love God with all you got and love one another with all you got. Great summation. Love the Lord God with all you got. Love one another with God. What does that mean? According to all this, what does that mean to me? How do I love God? And I am absolutely, utterly convinced when I look through, especially the creation story, the way that you can love God the most is by allowing him to love you. The way that you can love God the most is by allowing him to love you. Man, don't we as parents love to get good, give good gifts to our kids? Don't we want them to receive it? How many of you get jazzed when you give a gift to your kid and they are excited? They receive it. They're ecstatic. They love it. We beam, don't we? Imagine that by infinity. And that's the heart of God when we say, I will accept and receive and go beyond belief of, of your love. I will receive it and accept it. Because what we, we do too often is take out acceptance of belief. We look at belief and we think it's just to intellectually believe. And I said this before, but I can believe that Jeff is my friend and that he loves me, but I don't have to accept or receive it. I can reject it, can't I? I still believe it. I know he does. And that's where it's really hard to live in the new covenant. It's really hard to live in the new system. It's really hard to accept that Jesus once and for all, because that means we have to step into something so foreign to us, and we can't, we can't bring the, our, our methods that we used to do to de- deduce what's going on in the world to do that with God. You cannot do that. It's a new thing led by the Holy Spirit to understand the deeps and the truths of the heart of God. It's a challenging thing. That's why in James he says, consider it great joy, 
When trials come your way and test your faith because it produces perseverance and walking with Jesus in the new covenant, you cannot do it without perseverance. These people wanted to quit. They wanted to quit. And this this author is saying, no, Jesus loves you beyond what you can possibly think. That's why he and only he took on the sin of the world so that you could be free from that and receive it. We got to stop bringing our old stuff into the new life we have in Christ Jesus because what happens is when we walk into Jesus and we bring our own stuff, he doesn't feel so new. Has anyone experienced that? Even those who've been walking with Jesus for years. Man, this weekend I struggled. I had struggles in my relationship with Jesus this weekend. It didn't feel so new, I didn't feel so free. I felt temptation. I felt old habits wanting to be rebirthed in my life, and I had to go to a place that's uncomfortable. It's the unknown zone, and let Jesus deal with the stuff. I had to deal with a major failure as a parent where I reacted to my daughter, and I yelled at her for the first time, and it broke my heart because I brought my old stuff into a place where Jesus wanted to speak new life. And we do that every day. But I want to encourage you that though we must persevere, the new life that he has for us is beyond measure. Because after I yelled at her, she hugged me and said sorry and she loved me and forgave me. That's the heart of Christ. That's that's the heart of Christ. So we have a picture here. We don't need all the old stuff. We don't need all the old, old sacrifices. We don't need to be dousing each other in animal blood, praise God. But simply believe, accept, and receive and know that the act of once and for all paying the penalty that Jesus did is him saying, let me love you. Because that's the greatest way you can love me, is let me love you. So I just want to say today in closing, let him love you. Beyond what you think you're worth, or what your actions dictate to you, let him love you. I don't know any greater gift than the love of God. Let him love you. Let's pray. Lord, show us how to do that. Show us how to do that. Show us where we have trouble with our own value, with our own significance, how to let you love us in a deep and meaningful way. It's the greatest call in our lives to be loved by you. It's the only thing that matters. Or where we have tried to take control, where we've tried to take the old system of the way we live and bring it into the new life we have in you, and it's caused conflict. Or would you lead us away from those old things and deeper into the new? And we're going to learn this for the rest of our lives, but we want to continue to encourage one another to run the race with perseverance, to abide in you. We know where we stand when we're with you. We don't need the law. We don't need... Um, to know every detail, to know where we stand. 
but to know that we are loved by you beyond measure. We know where we stand. And so I just pray a blessing over each person here. I pray a blessing over our time of worship as we close. I pray a blessing over the offering this morning that you continue to bless the finances and the resources of this church family to reach the lost. And sometimes the lost are the people that um, have known who you are but haven't fully embraced who you are. And some, they don't know who you are at all. So I ask that you use our, our gifts our tithes, our offerings, to reach those people for your kingdom and your glory. So, Lord, I just pray a blessing of your love and your grace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.